This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Jonathan Hansen, and we're here with Apostle Don Beasley. Now, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Warning Radio program, and Apostle Beasley has a church in Dixon, Illinois, Turning Point Church. And I've exhorted people, if you haven't found a church in that area, visit Turning Point City Church, Dixon, Illinois. And I state that with confidence because we're in a situation today where you truly need to be under a leader that understands the times and seasons, that's not afraid of the cultural pressures to change the gospel of Jesus Christ and condone sin, but instead realizes uh, what is going on, what is about to happen, because he's in tune like an Issachar that knows the times and seasons, and his people can be prepared, the people can prosper, the people can be victorious. So I I believe in uh, that church, and I believe in uh, this leader. So, uh, Don, welcome back to the Warning Radio program. Good morning, Doctor. How are you doing today? Well, we're doing fine. You know, we're living in a situation, ladies and gentlemen, where uh, right seems to be wrong, and wrong is right. And the Bible warns about that type of situation in the last days. I want to just read a, a little bit of some news, and uh, we're not going to focus on that. We're going to move into another element of our victory in Christ Jesus. One of the attributes of of a Christian, what is, I believe, contagious in heaven and should be contagious on earth. Now, again, at least 69 athletes collapsed in one month, many dead. Now, we could go all over the place on reading about athletes that are dying. I'm talking about top-level athletes, Olympic athletes, professional athletes, whether it's in football or triathlon, I mean, they are dying after taking this COVID shot. Another headline news, shifting it to a weekly shot. That means six injections to keep your vaccine passports. A weekly shot? I'll tell you what, they're not giving up. They want to control mankind. They want to depopulate the world. And I'm talking about the enemies of Jesus Christ, the enemies of the church, and actually the enemies of our nation. And many people don't realize it. Many church leaders don't realize it. Don, we are in extremely uh, dangerous, unprecedented times. 
Uh, we certainly are. I, I actually, I've been just really, uh, this time of year, Christmas is always Christmas and Easter are always tough times for me preaching. Not because it's not a great time. It's just because it's a time when people are so accustomed to the, to the subject matter that they really don't listen anymore. And so it's really hard to break into people's lives. These two great events that really, really are connected together to this, what we call the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's very interesting. And so this, this year I was just really praying about it because I just try to get God, give me something that will show uh, that I can preach on. It's not just a, you know, baby Jesus in a manger thing, you know? And, uh, he, he laid on me the word, the word Emmanuel, which, you know, we know is God is with us. And so I, I wrote it down and I thought, okay, that's good. We, you know, we sing beautiful songs about it. And, and then I, and I started asking myself, what does it mean? Of course, we know that it means God with us, but I started breaking that down and found out that it really, the very first place it's mentioned is in Isaiah chapter seven through nine. And it's a prophetic prophecy there. Um, about Judah's rebellion against God and his word. And that God said he, he whistled to the, to the four winds and brought armies against him to judge them. But he has a faithful remnant. And in that faithful remnant, he promises that he will continue to have a, a somebody reign on the throne of David. And he's, these prophetic promises are happening there. And that's where he first used the first word, Emmanuel, was translating God with us is used right there in that prophecy. It's only mentioned three times. It's two times in that passage, and then once in the book of, uh, I believe it's the book of Mark in the New Testament, or John. And it, it, the what's really interesting is he's just started, I started working on that. I began to realize that it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden where man was with God, and, and the te- temptation was the enemy came and challenged the word, but it was a very specific way in that he said, you will not die, but God knows that you'll become like him knowing good from evil. And so the temptation was, was to have self-awareness because that, that, that's this whole thing, what it's really about. And so self-awareness came in, in the garden of Eden and then it got him kicked out of the garden. There's so many things along the lines there where God gave him rulership over all the things and even the things that creep on the ground, which included the serpent. But it said the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. So we have that story. But what happens is if you don't rule what God puts you over, it'll rule you. And that's where we find ourselves today in this completely self-awareness. You're your own God. You can decide what's right and wrong. So when it says you'll know good from evil, that word there is not just so much about knowing, but you'll be able to determine what's good and evil. And so what's really interesting is that's what brings about what you just talked about yeah, from the book of Isaiah, chapter 5, where it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So the epitome of evil, which is really interesting, evil is live spelled backwards, if you look at it. And it's to exchange God's way from eternity for our backwards way from earth. That's evil. But it's also evil is the epitome of self-awareness. It's self without God. 
And then the the God seed that he puts in us, that's God within us, becomes corrupted, making it nearly impossible for a person who's living in self-awareness to ever live in righteousness. And what's interesting about that is that so many people who are Christians have had a born-again experience where they acknowledge with their mind that Jesus is Lord, but they never had the God seed inside of them. There's recreation, where it says you're a new creation in 2 Corinthians 5.17, and where everything in the old, so the old self-awareness becomes dead, and the new God-awareness becomes alive. Not, not you as God, but God as God. And when that happens, Jesus from the inside, that, that's why it's so important that it's God with us. Because self not only corrupts the image, but it perverts the image according to Romans 1. We began to put natural things, created things above the create creator. And all those things that happen, we exchange those things for that. And so what's really interesting, what's so incredible about the gospel is that Jesus comes to be God with us, not just with us, but God in us. And from inside of us, he comes to heal that broken flesh, which is flesh and self. You know, you just, if you take self and you spell it backwards, you know, that's, you, get, you start with the word flesh. And so that self-awareness gets corrupted. Jesus comes to undo that. And so that's, the reason that we call good bad and bad good and evil right and right evil is because that self rises up to be completely opposed to God. And self, when self becomes submitted to God, then God calls the shots about what's good and evil, right and wrong, or whatever. And so that's why it's so important to have Emmanuel, God with us. Because Jesus, in the same way that self creates wickedness and evil naturally out of us, the spirit of Jesus Christ inside us begins to produce the righteous acts of God from out of from inside of us to the outside of us and begins to form us back into the image of God in which we are created to start with. Well, that, that's the root right back into the garden is mm-hmm. uh, self uh, making decisions instead of God. I mean, right sure. back into the garden. That's what Satan tempted uh, Adam and Eve with. And that's what's happening as we go on today. A man makes his own laws. I talked to a Christian the other day, and you and I just talked off the air on homosexuality and sin. And this this person said, well, that's your interpretation of Scripture. That's your belief and I said, no, there is only one Bible, there's only one God, and there's only one Jesus, and you cannot change the, the ways of God, the, the Word of God. Homosexuality is a sin. Fornication is a sin. Cohabitation is a sin. That's not my belief. That's the Word of God. And if I believe in right. Jesus, I believe in the Word of God. And you're trying to change the Word of God and make Jesus into your own image and make your own Bible. I mean, that's what they're doing today, Don. Absolutely. That's exactly what's happening. And they have, they have all kinds of versions of the Bible from about whatever, you know, it's just self-actuated stuff, you know, and it kind of, it, it reminds me of in, in Proverbs 30, 20, it says the way of an adulteress here. And it's talking about, it says she eats and wipes her mouth and said, I've done nothing wrong. And it reminds me so much of our world. 
that we do this stuff in the flesh and we just wipe our mouth off from the grossest of sin and we say, I've done nothing wrong. What have I done wrong? Because we're making up our own rules as we go along. And the more that we do that, the more we just keep moving the goalpost, you know, to whatever it is, to the debaseness of our flesh. Further and further, we just get more and more debased because we have no measurement which to hold ourselves. There's no standard that we're holding ourselves to. And I, and I think that when you're talking about this whole, what they're, they're doubling down on all this nonsense is because, you know, they've created this standard and that there's a passage in, in uh, revelation where it talks about, they, they refuse to repent of, and it's translated sorceries in the King James version and uh, witchcraft, I think in the NIV, but in the, in the original language in the Greek, that word is they, re, they refuse to repent of, of their pharma, pharmakia. It's about pharmaceuticals. In the ancient sorcery, that's what they used. They used all kinds of pharmacia, drugs or whatever, to uh, do all different kinds of things to people. To, you know, And so it's just really interesting, I think, that all this stuff is kind of coming together. And we're talking about literally seeing with our eyes what it looks like when men are given to the flesh. Uh, there's, it makes no sense. So if you, if you, have, if you have God in you and you have and you're backed off and you're looking at this thing from a, you'd say a 30,000 foot, you, you don't even have to get that far up to see this. You only got to be at about a couple hundred feet and you can see the stupidity of what's going on. And then the people that you, when you talk to people, when I talk to people who are spirit filled people, they immediately reject all this stuff and they see it. But you talk to people who are just moderately religious and they're all in on this statue because they've never been transformed. And that's so. Don't read the Bible. That's that is so correct. Uh, somebody that really has, if we want to say, the third person of the Trinity living within cannot accept uh, something that brings damnation and death to the soul. Cannot accept it. They instantly know that this is wrong, and they instantly realize when people are in rebellion against God and trying to lift themselves up. As God. And so what you said is so very true. You know, I've been studying this week quite a bit on some of the heroes of the faith, not only in the past in Hebrews 11, but contemporary heroes like John Wesley and Charles Finney and Dwight L. Moody, um, Maria Woodsworth and, and Carrie Judd Montgomery, Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, John G. Lake and, and Evan Roberts, Reese Howells, Amy Simple McPherson, Catherine Coleman, and, and Heidi Baker. And I'll tell you what, they all had some elements in common. And one is they wanted all of God. They wanted the fullness of God. Uh, they, they hated sin and they chased after God and the Holy Spirit. Spirit, uh, if we went on their ministries, came upon them and their ministries, even at first if they didn't understand it. But yet, 
as the fullness of God uh, came upon them as they opened up their their life to be nothing but an instrument used by God, uh, the Holy Spirit came down, manifestations came down, uh, slain in the Spirit were there all over the place, trances, uh, holy laughter, healing, uh, raising the dead. It was all a byproduct of the fullness of God, of the love of God, of the joy of God in which they lived. Done. Exactly. That's a, I think one of the missing elements that when, when you study that history, you go back and you see about like what we call, we separated into Pentecost and Charismatic. And uh, there's an interesting story that, it, that it, it, it's very interesting when you, a story from Azusa Street that I'll tell you, but what you find out from the, what I did when I studied it or whatever, whether you go start, study Evan Roberts, which I spent a lot of time on Evan Roberts when I was writing my doctorate for some, uh, I had to get some books that were out of print and whatever. And one of the books he had that I used was a very helpful to me in what I did. But one of the things I discovered very quickly when studying these guys is that their pursuit of God was, they, they were trying to, they, they realized that God wanted a holy people. And they began to pursue holiness. And they get a bad rap for it, especially from the later on, the charismatic people, because they wanted the power of God without holiness. And so, anyway, they, but they, they were seeking to be holy like God. So they would, they would uh, do all kinds of things that people thought were crazy in their relationship with God and what they denied themselves. Now, was all of that necessary? I don't know. But the reality is, is that what happened as a result of it was that the Holy Spirit fell down in a powerful way on them and saw amazing things happen. Now, did they get that right or wrong? You know, I tell people all the time, uh, when you're in church and the Holy Spirit shows up, uh, you're going to see, you're going to see flesh. You're going to see mistakes. You're going to see all kinds of stuff and you should be prepared for it. If you want the Holy Spirit to come among uh, imperfect people and you want to see a perfect response to a holy God, you're going to be disappointed yeah. uh, because there's so much flesh, you know, and if God burn off all of our flesh, we'd just be dead. And so we're not really looking for that. And so God comes and works with us where we are, whatever, as much as we can handle. And he wants us to pursue that deeper and deeper and deeper so that we become more perfected in who he wants us to be. Yeah. And, I, and then I, what happened is I came, okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, you know, I, I agree totally with you, and that uh, some sometimes people perceive what God should look like and and His revelation, and God is far greater than our even our perception. And uh, people have got to realize if if we are concerned so much with prophecy, we don't let it manifest or speak or have any type of voice in the church. Well, then uh, the more dangerous aspect is people daily from the pulpit taking the, God's words way out of context and preaching another gospel. They don't even Absolutely. preach the gospel just, of Jesus Christ all through the churches in the United States. That's what I was going to tell you. There was an interesting story. Uh, you know who Frank Bartleman is? Go ahead. Do you, you know who Frank Bartleman yes. is? Yes. He was the historian of the Azusa Street Revival. Yes. And uh, his granddaughter said he told her a story because she asked why did the revival break up and uh anyway there was a school of oratory on the east coast and you know there was like mary baker eddie was a part of that or whatever and, and they they were out there believing they were studying metaphysics and what they basically said is, is that 
these there's these laws of you in the universe spiritual laws you can access them and you don't have to be in covenant with god to do so you just have to be aware of the knowledge so they're more like gnostics or you know uh if you have the secret knowledge you can manipulate the universe and they were talking about things like healing and and spiritual gifts and stuff like that anyway they heard what was going on because they wanted to see they were trying to get things like healings and miracles and you know manifestations they weren't getting any they were doing all this stuff and nothing was happening but they heard about azusa street and they headed toward azusa street because they wanted to experience what's going on there and see it and whatever and frank bartleman's daughter said that the lord told uh pastor seymour and them that he's going to be breaking up the revival because these two could not be amalgamated together and that's when the revival broke up and azusa street scattered wow almost like what almost like what happened in jerusalem with the apostles Yes. You know, we sent out. And so from that point on, from that point in America you, and around the world, you have the original, which was the pursuit of the holiness of God, and then this counterfeit that was pursuing the operating in the, in the power of the kingdom of God without holiness or righteousness or anything like that. And we have seen a complete turnaround. And I'm not going to, I could name names or whatever, people that wrote books and whatever that were a part of the school of oratory that became number the, the top books in, in what we would call the charismatic movement were, were written by people from the school of oratory. That's where they came up to. They didn't come from the other, come up through the Pentecostal side. And, and much like everything else, that's pretty much taken over the charismatic movement. So what you have in the charismatic movement now is you have, and people get mad at me for this, but I cost balls and strikes. I'm not interested in anything else. And that's why I don't name names because I'm not interested in putting people down. But I'll challenge anybody's teaching. I don't care who you are, if it's not right. And so this, there's this whole idea today that righteousness and holiness is not necessary. And I challenge that and say the Holy Spirit is called the. If you the original translation said it's the Spirit of Holiness, we like Holy Spirit, but we don't like Spirit of Holiness because that means when He comes inside you, He's going to produce the holiness of God. That's His job. Well, you and, know, uh, anyway, so I'll leave it there. You know, you mentioned uh, earlier in the program, charismatics, some of them want the power of God, but they, they don't want, uh, again, the holiness of God. That would be like Adam and Eve wanting to live in the garden, but uh, not following Jesus Christ. In other words, they wanted to make their own way, their own laws, their own mindset, uh, serving right. self. And so we want uh, the the blessings of God, the victories of God, the manifestations of God, the power of God. We want uh, what again? These people that I I read, John Wesley and Finney and Moody and and others, Catherine Coleman, and we want what they had as far as the reality of God's outpouring and the supernatural, the genuine. But yet, uh, we want to do it our way, and that's that's man right. again in the Tower of Babel and doing his own way, New Age. But uh, I want to make a comment. True holiness is both attractive and convicting. It's attractive and convicting. People are attracted to true revelation characteristics, the fruit of God. They're attracted to God. They were attracted to Jesus Christ. You know, uh, Charles Finney, uh, he had uh, a couple encounters, his two major encounters that deeply impacted his life. 
First was his conversion, and then was the baptism of liquid love the same day. Again, as you mentioned earlier, all of these people that I quoted earlier, they went after God, the fullness of God, who God was, his holiness, his righteousness, and they operated in his love. So they weren't condemning, but they were liberating and setting people free. Don? Exactly. That's, that's right. That's just uh, the other thing that you find about all those people when you read their lives, the, the untold story is how much time they spend in prayer how much time they spent in preparation, how much, you know, that, I mean, they didn't have to, when you, when you want to run around and play in the world, uh, it takes time. And I think that a lot of world, what we call worldliness is, is nothing but a bunch of shiny stuff. The devil puts in front of us to titillate our flesh, to keep us out of the presence of God. Because if you want God to move in massive ways, then you got to spend time in his presence. I'm not talking about five minute prayer time in the morning and, and, you know, talk to God if I get a chance while I'm on my commute uh, to hear it there. But I'm talking about literally marking off time on your calendar, saying no to something else because you're saying yes to God. Ladies when you start doing that, God begins to move in your life. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Warning Radio Program. Special guest, Apostle Don Beasley, Turning Point City Church, Dixon, Illinois. And I did not even get into uh, my topic on, on really uh, the joy of the Lord. We just started to go there. And so, uh, Don, uh, I want you back next week. Okay, my friend, that'd be my pleasure. Okay, God richly bless you. Again, tune in to the Warning Radio Program each and every day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.